This is Due South. I'm Leonita Inge. This hour, we'll speak with a Cary-based cultural historian about Kwanzaa, its history, practices, and principles this holiday season. But first, for the third time in 10 years, the University of North Carolina at Chapel Hill will have a new chancellor. That's a lot of turnover for such a high-profile position. It isn't an easy job. Still, people were shocked when the most recent chancellor, Kevin Guskowitz, said he was leaving for greener pastures. Hello, Spartans. My name is Kevin Guskowitz, and today I am honored to be selected as the next president of Michigan State University. Kevin Guskowitz led head trauma and neuroscience research at UNC Chapel Hill and was high up in the university's administration since 2016. The last two chancellors of the university were Carol Folt, who left after refusing to put the Confederate monument Silent Sam back up on campus after protesters tore it down. Before her, Holden Thorpe. He led the university through the beginning of the academic athletic scandal. Thorpe is also a scientist and also took another job leading a university after he left UNC. Holden Thorpe is now a chemistry professor at George Washington University and the editor-in-chief of the Science Family of Journals. He joins us now. Welcome to Do South. Great to be here. Thanks for having me on. So what, what do you make of Kevin Guskowitz apparently agreeing, only agreeing to take the job at Michigan State if its board, like, promised not to interfere in his administration, you know, does UNC Chapel Hill's Board of Trustees need this sort of, you know, no meddling pledge as well? Will that work, you think? Well, they certainly do. And I think that the Board of Trustees has handled a lot of things with Kevin in public that could have been handled privately under the personnel laws of the state of North Carolina. So, for example, with Kevin's departure, Uh, As soon as it leaked out that he was going to, or he was talking to Michigan State, it leaked out that the board had been talking to him about his exit. Well, why do that? Why not just sit back and let him go? Uh, Because if that's what they wanted, they they achieved it. But unfortunately, they seem to be uh, interjecting themselves in a public discussion that doesn't always need to occur. And, you know, you could theorize as to why they're doing this, but probably part of it has to do, again, with this complicated system, because if you read the statutes, the Board of Governors has a lot of authority. The Board of Trustees is purely advisory. And so they can't actually hire and fire the chancellor, and they have very little latitude when it comes to making policy changes. And so I think what they're doing is asserting themselves publicly in order to give themselves more authority than the laws really give them. That's speculation on my part, but it would be a theory that would explain a lot of their actions. When I think of Michigan, I guess the Michigan State Board, it's elected. It's it's an elected position, isn't it? Yes, they all campaign in a statewide election, and of course that's a whole different set of complications. But again, at least there's only one board that you have to work for. You know, I I know a recent op-ed for the News and Observer that you wrote, um, you talked about this tug of war of loyalty that a chancellor has to play and where they have to both win over the University of North Carolina System's Board of Governors, 
and also the university at Chapel Hill's individual board of trustees. And of course, we're bringing this up because um, the current chancellor of UNC Chapel Hill, Kevin Guskowitz, I guess he's already packed his bags. So I guess, um, are you saying this is sort of what he has gone through during his, um, his short tenure here? Well, I think that the system that is there in North Carolina, which is there for historical reasons, is one of the most complicated because you have a board of governors, you have a board of trustees, and you have the system president. And it's pretty ambiguous sometimes whose role is what. And it's also very hard to get all those entities pulling in the same direction at the same time. And that seems to be one of the things that Kevin uh, had trouble with. Are you surprised, I guess you're saying you're not surprised that um, he's heading to Michigan State because of all of that? No, I'm not. Yeah, because at least there, while they have uh, a lot of issues with their board as well, at least you only have one board there and you only have one entity that you're reporting to. Whereas in North Carolina, you report to the system president but then you have these other two boards that have various kinds of statutory authority. So there are a lot of challenges at Michigan State, but at least he's going to a simpler system. Tell me about your time in Chapel Hill and um, and maybe, you know, anything you would have done different. Oh, I can look back and see lots of things that I would have done differently. And the main one is, as I said at the time, and I feel even more strongly now, um, being much more forthcoming about what was going on. I was trying to thread a needle between the fans who didn't want us to say anything about the problems and the media who did, and a lot of people who were against athletics, uh, not the least of whom was Bill Friday, who was very influential at the time. And I spent so much time trying to make all these parties happy that I would have been a lot better off if I just went out on the steps of South Building and said, hey, look, everybody, we cheated for 30 years. I'm really sorry this happened. I'm gonna do what I can to clean this up, uh, but I'm also gonna go back to doing my regular job. Uh, that would have been the smart thing to have done. And, um, you know, I'm probably still would have had to leave Chapel Hill because the fans would have been very upset that I was admitting that uh, we had cheated at sports. But um, I think it would have ended a lot more quickly and with a lot less drama for the university. You know, do you think, like, with the people who are leading these two boards, you know, at the university, will they ever be truly content with someone who won't just follow their whims, for example? And also, do you think, you know, what, three chancellors or so in a decade, is that normal today? Well, unfortunately, there's a lot of turnover out there, but this is a very unusual for UNC Chapel Hill until this sequence started with the three of us. And so while it's not that uncommon around the country because higher education is a complicated enterprise and these jobs are very difficult to do, it, this kind of instability is not something that has been seen in Chapel Hill. I know when you talk to folks, say, around the college towns that surround UNC Chapel Hill, um, I guess people say, well, you know, it's, it doesn't seem to be the chancellor that's the problem, you know, um, but something definitely much higher. So are we suspecting, we haven't used the word politics, like more politics at play today? Yeah, well, 
Uh, look, Kevin and, and Carol and I made plenty of mistakes, um, but we're also people who've been around universities a long time. And so the fact that all three of us had trouble navigating this is probably telling you that there's something systemic here. But I think when people talk about politics in the university, they have to remember that the University of North Carolina has always been configured as a political system. Uh, the board members are politically appointed and the politically appointed members of the board of governors choose the system president who chooses the chancellors. And of course, the university has to get its budget from the legislature uh, and the governor, which are, of course, people who are elected politically. I think that what has happened here is that the since 2010, when the state changed hands, the entity that are making these uh, controlling appointments have had a hard time figuring out how to implement the changes that they want to make while also having people on board who could lead the campus. And like I said, North Carolina is not the only state that's had this trouble, um, but you know that's that's the difficulty here. And there doesn't seem to be, to me, a lot of give and take. That is, sometimes the campus gets what it wants, sometimes the board gets what it wants. Um, nobody's been able to crack that, um, and you know it's hard everywhere. Like I said, but when you have a system that's extra complicated like the one that's there in Chapel Hill, that makes this even more difficult to do. Well, I know Governor Roy Cooper wrote that, quote, the resignation of another chancellor from UNC Chapel Hill adds to a long list of examples of the tremendous instability caused by the General Assembly's takeover of university governance. Well, I do think that there has been a lot of turnover since the Republicans have been in charge, but I also think it's wrong to say that there has never been politics in the UNC system. Of course, before 2010, it was Democratic politicians mostly who were in charge. And for the most part, they brought much more stability than this. But it also would be wrong to say that they didn't have political goals that the university was entwined with. It's just that the adjustment from one side to the other has not been smooth. When you think about your time here, I mean, what was what was the best part of being chancellor at UNC Chapel Hill? Oh, the best part is when somebody comes to your office and says, I've been telling lots of chancellors this problem and it never got fixed. And I was wondering if you could do anything about it. And you say, well, I don't know, I'll check into it. And then you're able to call them a few days later and say, OK, we got that straightened out. That's one of the best things about being the leader of, of any entity. Oh, have you ever thought about being a college president today? Oh, no, I'm very relieved that I'm not part of this. It's gotten much harder since I left, and it was hard when I was doing it. So I'm very, very happy to be the editor-in-chief of <laughs> science and to be contributing to George Washington University as a rank-and-file faculty member and not an administrator. Oh, yeah, you're out of that game. Well, Holden Thorpe, thank you so much for joining Due South today. Holden Thorpe, Editor-in-Chief of the Science Family of Journals and Professor of Chemistry at George Washington University and the former Chancellor of UNC Chapel Hill. I'm Leonida Inge. And I'm Jeff Tabiri. Due South continues in a moment. 